The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jam Journals is a proud partner of Yesterday's Concert Podcast and member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode of Jam Journal, we revisit May 7, 2017, for one of Chris Cornell's final performances with Soundgarden. popular rock vocalist Chris Cornell has died. The 52-year-old singer was found dead by suicide in his Detroit hotel room just hours after completing a concert at the Fox Theater. Police received an emergency call at midnight when Cornell was unresponsive on the bathroom floor. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Shifting my car into park, I stared at the large red brick building in the distance. Once I entered those doors, there was no turning back. I thumbed the steering wheel and tapped along to the song on the radio. No music snobbery today, just some classic rock. My high school had a strict policy that once you exited your vehicle, you had to enter the building. There was no jumping in a friend's car, hanging out in the parking lot, or running up to Mickey D's to grab some breakfast. They wanted you inside the fortress they called a school. I let Credence Clearwater finish, turned off the car, and exited the vehicle. Mr. Walker was on patrol duty today. Like a predator stalking its prey, he latched onto my movement. His unrelenting gaze followed me to the sidewalk. Morning, Mr. Walker. Bit chilly today, isn't it? I yelled. He grunted a hello and squinted to follow me from the sidewalk to the large gated entrance. The parking lot was different today. Despite the watchful eyes of teachers like Mr. Walker, there was rarely a day when the parking lot wasn't alive kids hopping between cars like they were Tom Cruise against an impossible mission. But today, there was no one. Mr. Walker must have been crushing it. 
With overcast skies, the lights in the school's courtyard were on. Trees leaned in the gusty wind that swept through. But even with about ten minutes until the first bell, the courtyard was silent too. It was the kind of quiet right before the tornado siren screamed for us to take shelter. Walking through the courtyard, I heard the sobs of one of my peers. She sat on a stone bench and buried her face into the shoulder of another student. She wiped her face before exhaling another surge of tears. Through her friend's arms, her wails grew louder. Tears dripped down her friend's cheek and onto the back of the girl's head. Must be her first breakup. Flinging the door to the building open, I ran into my girlfriend, Sarah. What's up? Where are you headed? Biology, right? Did you hear there was another one? She asked. What do you mean another one? Another suicide. Yeah, Eric, on Monday. Sarah looked at me with tears forming in her eyes. No, last night. It was Justin, another sophomore. The appropriate response would have been a gut check. The wind knocked from my sails. The heartbreak of loss. But this was the third one in seven days. The first was exactly seven days before. A junior. Her name was Samantha and she put a shotgun to her chest. The second was two days later. Eric. He hung himself from a tree in his backyard. And now, a week since the epidemic began, we had another victim. He was found dead last night. He OD'd on his mom's sleeping pills. He left a note in everything, Sarah told me. It took a round of 20 questions to even put a face to the name. I barely knew of the kid. But as I took in all this information, I stared down the hall. It was business as usual for most of the students. Had we grown numb to death? Not just death, but the suicide of our peers? That didn't change the fact that we had a third student kill himself within a seven-day period. It had been a chain reaction. After the second kid, they shut the school down. Teachers were on high alert, pulling kids from bathrooms as they screamed and threatened, I'm next! That morning, I sat next to the door of my classroom and watched the principal chase a kid down the hall that made similar threats. Rumors swirled that another kid had killed themselves in their car that morning. Counselors and youth pastors formed an impromptu help session in the library. We barely made it to the second period before the school effectively closed for the week. Clearly something was in the water. Even for our little 1500 person school, I didn't know the kids, and after the third I was too tired to care. The emotional turmoil Eric opened left little grief with many of my classmates and me. But as a little edgelord teen punk, I turned all that confusing grief into the only thing that made sense to me. Humor. Well, you know what Queen says, I told Sarah. Another one bites the dust. Topical and musical commentary. Sarah didn't appreciate the humor. Lance, someone died. Have a little heart, she said, pushing past me. Oh, come on, it was just a joke. I called after her, but she kept walking. Okay, so maybe that one might have crossed the line. But I was a teenager and an emotionally immature one at that. As my therapist later diagnosed, I turned to humor to cope with tragedy. It was perhaps the safest alternative in that situation. While there's no justification for my cruelty, we were confused. Why was there so much death? The world is continuing to respond to the recent passing of musician Chris Cornell. Friends and fans have taken to social media to express their heartbreak and appreciation for the late artist. Elton John tweeted, A great singer, songwriter, and the loveliest man. 
Kerry Brownstein also tweeted, Those of us who grew up in and around Seattle are acutely aware that we've lost nearly an entire generation of local music heroes. I felt the internal pull, the drawing distraction and looming knowledge that the end was near. I bargained with myself like a child at the park. Please, Mom, just five more minutes. But sometimes you meet the end of the line. Shifting through the crowd, I realized how much the audience had thinned. For a headlining performer, the audience was sparse. This was my first time seeing Sturgill Simpson, and he had 30 more minutes left in his set, but I had another show to get to. Somehow I knew in my gut I'd get to see Sturgill again, so this wasn't a goodbye. It was no secret who the headliner was that day. From t-shirts to hats and even flags, it was obvious who fans were here to see. Many camped to the stage, suffering through whoever else performed earlier that afternoon. Excuse me, pardon me, slipping through. I glided between the people like floodwaters in a brick wall. I wanted to be in the masses, draw me into the audience, suck me into the stage. I wanted to feel the music. The closer I approached the stage, the thicker the crowd became. It eventually became a brick wall. There was no more room to move forward. But I wasn't standing in the back for this one. A Middle Eastern guitar cut through the crowd noise. The stage lights dropped and the crowd roared. This is my good eye. Do you hear a cow? A rooster says, Here is a pig. The devil says, The drums count in and from the darkness a wail. The wail. It shrieked above the rising cheers of an elated audience. The band was illuminated and there they stood. One of the most underrated and legendary alternative rock bands of all time. Feel the rhythm with your hands. The voice of the Adonis. Not since Freddie Mercury had a voice set new standards for what a rock vocalist should sound like. The full force of the band slammed in behind Chris Cornell's voice. Soundgarden led the audience into a tidal wave of Spoon Man. There was only one problem, and maybe I was being critical, but Chris's voice sounded ragged. Come on man, the guy's aged, cut him some slack. But that tiredness was a quick reminder to me that this wasn't the louder than love era. At the end of the song, Chris stepped to the tip of the stage to acknowledge some fans in the front rows. Running his fingers through his shoulder-length hair, he pulled the locks from his face to reveal a huge grin. The video screens cast his smile for all to see as he pointed to the fan. Memphis, Memphis. how we doing? How we doing? You showed up for this, you're loud. I like it. Chris lifted his hands over his head and clapped in a rhythm. Come on, he yelled. He worked the crowd and encouraged our participation. With drummer Matt Cameron satisfied by how Chris had worked the crowd up, he counted the band in for the next song. Lead guitarist Kim Thiles started the sludgy guitar riff of his Soundgarden classic, Outshined. Placing one foot in front of the other, Chris straddled the lip of the stage. His body language was a strange mix of apathy and pleasure. I'm looking California and feeling Minnesota. He belted out the lyrics like a bored crooner. Was he disappointed or was he quote unquote feeling it? The crowd, however, they couldn't resist singing along. Soundgarden was never my band. I was more of a Pearl Jam guy. I enjoyed Soundgarden's hits, and I eventually made my way through their discography. But it wasn't until their 2012 album, King Animal, that I found my way. But let's not kid ourselves here. As great as Soundgarden the band is, without Chris Cornell, they would have been another early 90s alternative band to fade away. He was the band's calling card, and as a frontman, he held the magic and electricity that captivated audiences. It was impossible to take your eyes off of him. If the 90s were the final generation of rock stars, then Cornell was Zeus. 
His voice was the raspy wail of every wannabe rocker. He carried himself with a cool that could only be natural. It was one thing to look cool, but the man exuded it. His apathy was textbook too cool for school. He was the paradox of desires. Perpetuated by magazines and MTV, the grunge frontman were giants in my eyes. But as mythic as he seemed, the tragedy of his peers cemented their mortality. Cobain, Staley, and even better were all deeply conflicted artists struggling for anonymity in the face of fame. Then there was Cornell, the Greek god with a voice that literally and figuratively screamed rock and roll. Even with the mountainous persona, Chris was still an everyday man. The grunge movement was about reconnecting real life to music. Life's not always a party, and for many people life could be unforgiving. The music of his era was a warm hug to those who never wanted to be star athletes. It was a lighthouse for the downtrodden, misunderstood, and inexplicably mad. It was difficult for me to separate the legacy act before me versus the early footage I watched as a teenager. I saw 20-somethings swinging from rafters and stage diving. They led mosh pits and sacrificed their bodies for the performance. Now they moved a little slower, a little less. And as grateful as I was to be at the show, I couldn't resist the intense pull of wanting my rock stars to stay young forever. As the band began the outro of Outshined, Chris leaned over his microphone for the final stanzas. He towered over the audience, and even from my spot further back, I felt his presence reign over us and intimidated me. And then he screamed. The shriek ran across the festival grounds like a bullet train. It was like all the cheesy rock and roll movies where the sound waves roll over the audience. My neighbors looked at each other in astonishment. Dude! Dude! Chris had found his voice. There was a little break between songs. Chris strapped his guitar back on and began plucking the intro to Black Hole Sun. The crowd instantly recognized it. Chris stood at the microphone. His long hair had fallen over his face. From the video screens, I could see the faint traces of his eyes peeking through his hair. He stood motionless, but his voice grew in power through each verse. Despite the song's anthemic drive, the song lyrics paint a bleak existence that somehow offers a warm solace. As a child of classic rock radio, this was a surreal moment. In the trials of teenagedom, this song gave me an outlet for expression. Sure, Motley Crue had the fantasy, but this was the real nitty-gritty, those day-to-day -day emotions. But now, nearly three decades post-release and a decade after my high school days, Soundgarden offered a different experience, a joyous revisiting. The songs were just good. They'd be there for bad days, but right now, we teetered on a Motley Crue good time. Chris smiled and waved. He bantered with the audience and joked with fans reaching for souvenirs. Matt's gonna give you a drumstick, but what you gotta do is open both eyes and wait for it to just sink in there. He's an ninja with those things. It's gonna just go right in your skull, but it'll be worth it. But there was also the classic grunge cynicism. Before performing my wave, Chris leaned into his apathetic frontman role. Gonna do a song that's about tolerance. This is about letting them do anything they want. Believe anything they want as long as they don't try to stop you from doing it. As long as they don't f your life, you don't need to f with theirs. Personally, I don't give a f what anyone does. They can do what they want. I won't say I disagree with him, but his tone dripped with cynicism. I thought about how he's personifying the grunge movement, the progressive punk rock ethos, coupled with apathetic and bleak outlook. It offered consolation, but it also offered no reprise especially when performing songs like Drawing Flies and Fell on Black Days. This is where bands like Bad Company and Foghat balanced out a chemically unreliable teenager like myself. 
After an especially crowd-ramping Rusty Cage, there was no fanfare or introduction to the evening's final song, Blow Up the Outside World. I knew the song but was caught off guard that this was the finale. It has a great chorus, and the crowd responded well. But why this song? Personally, I was hoping for another mosh pit-inducing tune like my personal favorite, Slaves and Bulldozers. As the band finished, Chris leaned over his pedal board and began twisting knobs. In a fury of noise, he broke his string. He stood up and ran the neck of his guitar along the microphone stand. The band evolved into chaos and was overwhelmed by feedback. The musicians acknowledged each other before they dropped their instruments to leave the stage. The music droned and wailed. Surely this isn't the end. They'll do an encore, right? The show had barely been 75 minutes. They gotta do more, right? The house lights came up and stagehands began turning off the gear. The evening was done. There was no good night. No thank you, no see you next time. But what hurts the most is even if they had said it, it wouldn't have meant anything. After Chris's suicide, it's difficult to view the show as anything other than one of his final performances. I can't look at it as a Soundgarden show. It's a little more than a dreary memory of a broken man nearing his conclusion. It's impossible not to look back on the YouTube video footage in search of something we all overlooked. The final Soundgarden show is even worse. The performance has turned into a crime scene, and everyone with Wi-Fi is a seasoned detective. Where were the clues, man? Comments harp on how poor his voice sounds or how his stage demeanor is withdrawn. Everything is pinned to what would happen a few hours later. Listening to the Memphis audience tape, I don't hear much difference. I hear a singer who has gracefully accepted his aged pipes, but is still capable of commanding nearly 10,000 people on a Sunday night. After missing a few notes early in the show, his voice warmed up, and it absolutely shredded the audience. It was the Chris Cornell we knew and loved. Nothing about that is unusual for a live performance, though. If anything, I'd say it's fairly standard for a vocalist to need a few songs to settle in. If Cornell's deteriorated voice was the culprit to his premature passing, it wasn't a problem in Memphis. In reviewing footage for this piece, the one thing that stood out above the rest was a moment during Black Hole Sun. He was an enigmatic frontman. Chris swung his body and rocked with the chorus. However, there is a moment halfway through the song where the videographer zooms in on his face. It's a 1970s level close-up that examines every pore and blemish. His hair had once again drooped over his face, and as he runs his fingers to pull it back, you catch a glimpse of his eyes. The look still haunts me. His eyes are hollow and glassy. There's an emptiness in them, a soul that was hurting and searching. Yet it's oddly beautiful, and maybe I'm over-examining the footage, but his eyes tell the story. The painful existence that those suffering are dealing with, often to very little knowledge from those around them. It's a heartbreaking reminder that any one of us could be next. It's a choice that we all hold in our own hands. Still reeling from the sudden passing of Chris Cornell, fans and artists have taken to the internet to eulogize the singer. Author Stephen Hyden composed a eulogy that was featured on Uproxx.com. It reads, quote, 
After Pearl Jam 20, things changed for me. Chris Cornell looked and sounded like a rock god and always will be to me. But I was reminded that he was also just a guy. Cornell had an innate sense of humanity that he infused into whatever he did, good or bad. He wasn't some distant rock star issuing proclamations from up on high. Instead, he was an artist who dared to make himself vulnerable time and again. Eyes still closed, I rolled over in bed and reached for my smartphone. I grasped in the general direction of my nightstand, hoping to land a golden slam on the phone alarm. The blaring alarm indicated the start of a new week. Another day back in the trenches. Rolling onto my back, I pulled the phone a mile above my head, despite my face's fear that sleepy hands might lose their grip. Five more minutes, please. Opening Twitter, I expected political hot takes and dinner updates. Sort of light reading that gets your blood moving. You know, that perfect Monday morning alarm. Chris Cornell was found dead by suicide in his Detroit hotel early this morning. Read more. My brain's electric wiring struggled to comprehend the sentence. I squinted harder and lowered the phone to my face. I read the tweet again. This can't be true. I just saw the guy 11 days ago. He was fine. What, what happened? As I scrolled, my timeline became a running tribute to the singer. Memories of the first time, live performances, and brief interactions were beacons of karma farming. But mostly, no one knew how to cope. This wasn't supposed to happen. Not another 90s alt-rock singer taken from us. I sat up in my bed, fearlessly checking the internet, searching for new sources that would disprove the heartbreak. Yet everything said the same thing. Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, The New York Times. Chris Cornell really was dead. That Thursday morning, I sat in my high school art class, mindlessly working on an assignment. My hands moved in rhythm with graphite pencils, but my mind was adrift. A third student? How did this keep happening? Who was next? They say death comes in threes, but this felt like we were all being picked off by a sniper. Despite my teenage isolation, even I didn't feel alone in this. Was I next? What about my girlfriend? What about one of my friends? The pencil point broke, causing a large smudge on my drawing. Crap! I exclaimed. I snapped back to reality to see my artwork botched. My table mates looked up to see what the commotion was. My artwork is ruined. Look at this, I said, holding up the drawing. Guess I'll have to kill myself now. There was a moment of hesitation. The two girls at the table dropped their jaws. They hung on the words, unsure how to react. Jeez, Lance, my friend John said as he burst into laughter. The joke got a few laughs and a few, oh my gosh. It was the sort of uncomfortable laughter of, wow, I can't believe you went there. Of course, I wasn't serious. Again, it was teenage edgelord garbage. I was pushing the envelope in a heartbreaking situation. We all acknowledged the emotional turmoil we were under. Like I said, we were just biding our time until it was our turn. It wasn't just a dark joke, though. It was an insensitive and cruel remark, one that was indebted to fear and confusion. Through teenage male pride, I was trying to redirect worry into a hope that this was something we could laugh off, something like tripping down a flight of stairs in front of your friends. Except this situation was nothing like that. It was dark and heavy. What if that had been someone I cared for? What if that sneaking darkness that prowled our school grabbed me next? I stood beneath the scalding hot water, 
staring at my feet. I had never met Chris Cornell, but I was heartbroken. Darkness clouded my foundational love for music. Another 90s rock star is gone. I couldn't even be grateful for seeing him less than two weeks ago. That concert was now forever tainted as one of his final performances. There was no memory of maybe I'll get to see Soundgarden again. It'd only be remembered now as part of an unplanned farewell tour. Water ran down my shoulders and pooled around my feet. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. Who was next? Would it be my favorite band? Would it be an artist that I had met once? Those same high school feelings resurfaced. But more than a decade later, I couldn't joke about it. This one felt very real. It was so insensitive to the brokenhearted in high school. I waved away condolences in fear of my own mortality. Those seven days in high school were the first time in my life that death felt real. It could happen to me. Chris Cornell's death was a reminder of so many things. From a fan's perspective, it was a reminder to cherish the artists that we love, savor their music, be open-minded about their exploratory albums, and maybe take the opportunity to see them when you can. But from a human perspective, it was a reminder that this life is fleeting. Here today, gone tomorrow. Mental health is nothing to gloss over. Drug addiction is very real, and those struggling deserve our grace and stern support. It's an urgent plea that if you're struggling to please do not fade away. Reach out. No matter how many bridges you've burned, you are still valued and loved. But most of all, it was a reminder to love well. Remind those in your life that they mean something to you and treasure their companionship. With my collared shirt tucked into my khakis, I plopped on my couch. It was time to leave for work, but I couldn't push myself forward. I stared at my sound system. It's my policy that when a beloved musician passes that I leave it silent for 24 hours. I know it's an odd policy and contrary to how many people mourn. But I can't do it that way. It feels disrespectful. A song is only an artist's consumer-facing production. They may value their art, but there's a human story behind those songs. They were a friend, a child, a sibling or a parent first. Their art comes second. You know what's coming, but I'd be remiss if I didn't share it. Please, if you're struggling with thoughts of suicide or even suicidal ideation, do not let those thoughts remain. Speak with a friend, loved one, or confidant. If you fear the reaction or feel as if you have no one to speak to, call the suicide hotline. Their number's easy. It's 988. You are valued, you are cared for, and no one wants to see you fade away. Life will not be better without you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jam Journals and reliving one of my favorite concert memories. Have you seen the artist before? How was your experience? Similar? Better? Worse? Let us know on social media, at Yesterday's Concert. We're on all the channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Give us a shout or shoot us an email at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. Until next time, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and check us out at yesterdaysconcert.com. And don't forget, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. Fantasy Points.